We have 20 to 40 people a week that listen to the sermon podcast, and they can't see the video. So um, we don't have a video set up, but I just wanted to explain to you and those in the parking lot and, and Marge, who's listening every week on the CD, just to let you know, um, that we have a, a segment of anywhere from five to eight minutes of a video segment from The Chosen. Uh, the Chosen is a video representation of the story of Jesus, and we're using that to help us connect. It, you can read the Bible and you read, uh, but some, something happens when we actually see, and it's a visualization uh, a theatrical production, basically video, uh, being able to see um, what that's like. Now, we, we can't say it's exactly the way it was, but it certainly gives us some context to do that. So, um, so without any, and, and just to let you know, too, we have the subtitles on there, just because the sound isn't always that great. So, we have subtitles on there as well, which I know you can't see online either, but that's okay. So, um, here we go. Let's we're going to look at an event this week. you listening here? You're pretty decent people, yes? Not bad? Let me tell you a story. There were two men that went up into the temple. Excuse us. One Please. Of them was Where are you going? Please. We need to see Jesus. There's no room up there. He's paralyzed from the waist down. He can't stand. No, there, there, there is definitely no room then. Simon, he deserves to hear Jesus as much as anyone else. Hello again. I'm so glad I found you. My friend. Look, why do you need to get closer? I saw what your master did to the leper. I know what I saw. Please, help me get my friend to him. Who's that company? I'll talk to them. I'll talk to them. I'm sorry, there's too many people. But you know him. Can't you get us any closer? I don't want to interrupt the teacher by causing a scene. What if you were me? Wouldn't you want your friends to make a scene? 
It was you once. What about the roof? Nighttime, Zebedee wouldn't light his lamp and put it under a basket. He put it on the stand where he could light us all. Jesus of Nazareth! I saw what you did to the leopard on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leopard. That's our rope! Put it back, man! You are willing, Rabbi. I know you can do this. Rabbi, you know you can't. Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk? It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you, and so that you may know that the Son of Man 
has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise. Pick up your bed and go home. That's the way it was. You know, Jesus, the story of Jesus was in a different land, a different culture, different time, all of those things. And for me, it helps to see this context. Jesus was back in his hometown, in a setting. By the way, if you want to follow this and read about it. It's on page 836 in the Bible in front of you. Uh, Luke 5, 17 to 26. Jesus was teaching, and since he had always already had conflicts with the Jewish establishment, you saw the religious leaders 
wondering, what is he doing? They were checking him out. Verse 17 of this text says, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. These had come from all over the area to observe him and to listen to his words. And as you can see, they were not there for moral support. The location was some house, maybe Peter's or Jesus' house. It was probably a square house with a covered courtyard with a, a stairway on the outside. And the question is, so what? What relevance does that story have to do with us today? Today we're going to talk about power. Power. Powerpoints. How did it happen? And what, does it, what difference does it make today? First of all, point of power, first point of power is the power is present with Jesus. Where Jesus is, there's power. That doesn't mean that, oh, in verse 17b, it says, the power of the Lord is present for him to heal the sick. Now, that doesn't mean that his power was intermittent or came and went. In fact, it's kind of an interesting, interesting literal, literal translation. It says, then the power of the Lord for the healing as to him, Jesus. That's nice Greek, but very awkward English. And what it means is that where Jesus was, there was power. The power of the Lord was there. Wherever Jesus is, there's power. And again, this is a very strong statement about the divinity of Jesus. Who has the power to heal? God does. Wherever Jesus went, there was power to heal. When Jesus lived on earth, he chose to localize his power in his present body, in his present location. We know that God is omnipresent, but when Jesus was on earth, he, he was using what's called the, the divine use of non-power or the divine non-use of power. He limited his power to the, being resident to where he was in his body on earth. Then he went back to heaven and sent his power what happened to his power when Jesus went to heaven? He sent his power to the body of Christ, you and me. Acts 1.8 says, Jesus said to his followers, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Where Jesus was when he was on earth, his power was exercised through his body. Now it's exercised through his body, the body of Christ. That's us. You say, what? I've got power? I didn't, I didn't say it. Jesus said it. When we give our lives totally to God and surrender to Jesus as the leader of our lives, we give him our body, soul, and spirit for his purposes, then he fills us with God power. That's not arrogance. It's what the word of God says. What Jesus did, he gave us to do. By the power of the Holy Spirit inside of each of us. Power to heal and power to be healed. The power is present. Is present with Jesus. And if we have Jesus in our life, that power is resident in us. What are we going to do about it? The second power point is the, that we see here is the power of personal involvement. The power of personal involvement. The character in this account is a helpless man suffering from this terrible disease of disability. It was, a, it was palsy or he was a paralytic. He was helpless, needy, in pain. He was very sick. He was totally dependent on other people. 
as you can see, he had to be carried wherever he went. And it's likely that this man had heard about Jesus. These rumors were circulating all throughout the countryside about this, this miracle worker, and he probably heard about Jesus. But he couldn't get to Jesus on his own. It took people who had become personally involved. They lent their power, what they could do. They gave what they could, what the man could not do. Lending their personal involvement, the power of personal involvement. How many people around us have some kind of a disability? And I'm not speaking only of the obvious physical needs like a paralytic. There are people all around us that are paralyzed by fear. They're paralyzed by abuse. Having been paralyzed for years by some past childhood loss or trauma. Paralyzed by addictions. Sick with emotional needs or depression. Spiritual helplessness. Deep spiritual needs. And personal involvement says, I want to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Simply doing something for someone in need and bringing them, pointing them to Jesus. Exercising our faith on behalf of someone else who has no faith. Now these friends, these friends that brought this man, they, they didn't have, they didn't heal the man. They just transported him to the one who could heal the man. And we personally don't heal people. Only the power of Jesus can do that. But we can be the vehicle, the instrument through which Jesus' healing power flows. We found in the book of Acts that, that the disciples, followers of Jesus, laid hands on people. They spoke that, and people were healed. That's why we pray for people. We anoint with oil. We follow the word of God because God wants to heal. He wants to release his power through your personal involvement. The third PowerPoint is the power of persistent faith over obstacles. The power of persistent faith over obstacles. It's said in verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, somebody was exercising faith here. Interestingly, it doesn't say that he saw the man's faith. It certainly could have included the man's faith, but the faith of the community, the friends, it's the faith of the people that brought him to Jesus that he comments on. And it was obviously persistent. It was not to be put off or taken lightly. There were a lot of obstacles. They came, as you could see. There were crowds of people. They couldn't get to, to Jesus. People. People. They could have said, you know, there are just too many people around Jesus. We have no access to him. Besides all those people, Jesus will never have time for me. He won't notice. I don't know if you've ever said that. Allowing you have faith, you want some, God to do something in your life. But there are obstacles, and maybe it's people. Say, you know, God has so many people to worry about. There are people worse off than me. There are persecuted Christians in the Middle East. There's a the war in Ukraine. The earthquake that happened in Turkey. God is too busy, I'm sure. And sometimes we let people or other people be an obstacle to keep us from access to Jesus. What will people think? How will people react? In this case, what are people going to think when I tear the roof off? They didn't care what people thought. The man-made barriers, the roof, they didn't worry about it. Circumstances. 
A lot of times there are circumstances beyond our control. But they said, we're going to have faith for no matter what. We're going to believe that God is going to heal. We're going to believe that God is going to answer prayer. No matter what the obstacles there. Some people in the greatest time of need allow that need or that circumstance to isolate themselves and keep them from coming to Jesus. Many people, when they start to have troubles, just stay away from being in the body of Christ or church because we don't want people to, to know that we don't have it all together. Those are obstacles to persistent faith. Faith. What is faith? Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe is formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. Without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If it can be seen, it requires no faith. If it can be touched, it requires no faith. If it is within reach, it requires no faith. If it is in our possession, we need no faith. If it is in the present, we need no faith. But if it cannot be seen, cannot be touched, is out of reach, is not yet, but is future, then it requires faith. What is there in your life that requires faith? Something you've been believing for a long time. Might be a family issue. Might be an unsaved family member, someone who hasn't come to Christ yet. Maybe it's an ongoing challenge that you've not been able to find a solution for. Whatever it is, faith. Faith is simply looking at God and saying, God, I don't have the answer. You do. This, this man, accompanied by his friends, looked down at Jesus and said, He... He has a solution. That was a look of faith. And Jesus recognized. He looked up and he commended her. He said, your faith is beautiful. He understood. It's what we hope for. Certain of what we don't see. Faith is looking to God. Believing that only he, only he has the answers. Persistent faith. Now, you can imagine the scene. We saw the scene. Jesus teaching, everyone listening, this noise overhead, the clatter, the tiles start moving aside, the hole gets bigger. And soon they lower a man right in front of Jesus. And Jesus recognized their faith, even though they didn't say a word. Their actions showed their faith. The power of persistent faith, no matter what the obstacles The fourth, fourth point of power was the power of God's forgiveness. The power of God's forgiveness. It says in verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Friend, here's this sick, diseased, emaciated, helpless man. Jesus calls him friend. But the real bombshell was he said, I forgive your sins. See, there was a prevailing opinion in that day that if you were sick, it was your fault. 
It was something you did. It was a sin that you committed or your family committed in your past. You deserved what you got. So if you were sick, it was your fault. It was some sin that had happened in your past life. That was the belief back then. So piled on this man suffering from this terrible disease was guilt. What did I do that was so bad? What did I do that, that made me deserve this? Sometimes our paralysis today, the things that we deal with are invisible. Nobody sees it. But many of us may be wrestling with the same issue. What did I do that was so bad that I deserved this? What did I do that was so bad? It must be my fault. And you have guilt piled on top of the problem. So what does Jesus do? He starts with the guilt issue. He starts with the heart. And he says, your sins are forgiven. And of course, the religious people said, who are you that you think you can forgive sins? Jesus' first words to this man and his first words to us are, friend, your sins are forgiven. You know, there's no other religion that offers free forgiveness of our sins. God's plan starts with forgiveness. Forgiveness. John 3, 16 to 18 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn this man. He came to save him, to forgive him. Jesus didn't come into this world to condemn us. He came to forgive us. And only God can truly forgive sins. Jesus freaked out the religious establishment here. The whole thing that he brought up there in that passage, let me read 21 to 25. When he said, the Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. He said, I tell you, take up your mat and go home. The final PowerPoint is where the sixth, fifth one is the power of divine healing. God's healing. God's healing this man demonstrated that he had the power to forgive sins. He had all the power in the universe proved that he had the power to forgive sins. The healing proved in their minds that he was God. And we must understand that when God works in our lives, and forgives us our sins, he proves that he's God. Which is the greatest miracle, physical healing or spiritual transformation? What's, what's the most incredible? Here Jesus does both at the same time. But this again makes Christianity stand alone. We can't pay for our wrong deeds or sins. We cannot earn our right relationship with God. 
Other religions of the world say this, appease your God, do good deeds, stack them up. If the good outweighs the bad, you'll go to heaven or go into nirvana or whatever, be reincarnated in eternal bliss. Christianity says God's standards are too high. You can keep stacking them up. You'll never do enough. You can't please me because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God says to you and to me, I will forgive you because I will pay the debt you owe. We celebrated that with communion. The blood of Jesus being shed to pay for our sins. Then with our sins paid for on the basis of that payment, we're forgiven. Jesus says to you and to me today, no matter what your sickness, I will forgive you. No matter what you've been carrying, go home, be healed. I forgive you and heal you. What do you need healing from today? What, what kinds of issues are you dealing with? Everybody has a different place in their spiritual walk, their spiritual journey. All of us need healing. Some of us on a daily basis, we need healing. The sixth PowerPoint is power of praise to God. Verse 26, it says, Everyone is amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. They were amazed. They were astonished. They were filled with awe. And they gave God the credit. Everything, everything must point back to God. Everything Jesus did, all the miracles, all the signs and wonders, everything he did pointed back to God his Father, giving God glory, giving him the credit. And that's what God has called us to do, to give him the credit. Do you want to experience power today? Power is present with Jesus in your life. There's the power of personal involvement, the power of persistent faith, power of forgiveness, divine healing and the power of praise to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have power available. And you demonstrated that in this, in this account. And I pray, God, that you would inspire us and understand whether we need the healing or you've called us to be involved in helping bring that healing to people. Father, that we would, again, give glory to you. And we thank and praise you for what you've done. In Jesus' name.